Wow, what a way to start a show. Gabriela Montero playing Toccata in D minor by Bach. But if you know the piece, and I'm pretty sure we all do, then you know that she didn't play it exactly as written. She did a nice, long, extended, free-form improvisation in the middle and was able to infuse her own Venezuelan sensibilities into this wonderful classic piece by Bach. Welcome to Relevant Tones, a radio series celebrating recently composed classical music. My name is Seth Bostead, and today we're exploring the re-emergence of improvisation among classical performers. Improvisation was extremely important in the classical world a couple of centuries ago. Performers were expected to be able to ornament a melodic line. They were expected to be able to read a figured bass part and flesh out the other parts. They would frequently improvise their cadenzas and concertos, and they would improvise introductions to major works. All in all, it was just a really important part of the performance tradition. But as composers became increasingly detailed in their approach to scoring, it left less and less room for performers to improvise, and improvisation gradually became a lost art among classical musicians. If you look at a Bach score and compare it to, say, a Mahler score, you're going to see a wealth of difference. Bach uses very few dynamics, very little articulation. He often will leave the harmony up into a figured bass part, whereas Mahler, on the other hand, almost every bar, he has a new direction for you. There, There are... There are tempo changes. He tells you exactly how to bow it. He tells the performer exactly how to do everything that he wants and controls everything. This new detail-oriented approach by composers led to a shift away from the performer and an emphasis more on the composition, and the composition as a kind of holy grail that had to be interpreted exactly according to the composer's instructions. And so the performers did not improvise anymore, and what a performer was expected to do was to interpret the piece, and it became really important. A good performer was not someone who could improvise a cadenza necessarily. A good performer was someone who could bring the composer's intentions to life perfectly. But those roles are changing, and classical musicians are again turning to improvisation as a means of self-expression. Improvisation among classical musicians gained its first modern movement when musician Walter Thompson created what he called sound painting, the universal live composing sign language. Sound painting is basically a series of hand signals that Thompson developed as a conductor in the 80s living in New York City, and he was able to use these hand signals to lead his orchestra through guided improvisations. This way of working gave the musicians creative input, and it allowed them to create spontaneous pieces of music that could perhaps never have arisen in the traditional compositional framework. Let's have a listen to sound painting in action. Here is Walter Thompson leading three brass players and a poet through a composition called Cerberus, based on the poem of the same name by David Holm, who is also the narrator here. Cerberus, of course, is the three-headed dog in Greek mythology that guards the entrance to Hades. Who else but the husband of hell could covet a cur who guards so well? Left out at the pet shop, Hades says, This one swell-necked, thunder-boned, intoned yelps of fallen heroes' funk will keep intruders out, make the virgin shout, Help! 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 I want, I want, I want. I yelp, my mama wouldn't let this whelp suck any of her mangled teats. It's a feat to face the iron-pod jaw of tangled tongues all begging, Feed me! Feed me! Feed me! You wouldn't want to witness me fetch the bones from the wretched yard, 
Greystones all, I practice no prejudice. You're all fresh meat to me. You're all fresh meat to me. You're all fresh meat to me. Beware of dog. I let everyone in regardless of sin. I let everyone in regardless. But you can't get out unless it's down my thin throat. I let everyone in, everyone in, everyone in, regardless. Orpheus, Orpheus, your song put me to sleep. Your dull rhythms, your note diversions tell me, sleep, little dragon, sleep. Sleep, little dragon, sleep. Sleep, little dragon, sleep. Held me like a child while you whined to find your wife. It's hard holding the gates of a hell so many want to dwell above. Above the rim of a dove's wing bent in arc towards the cloud's shadow. It's hard watching Hades rape Proserpina. Forever I am angry with Bernini, his marbled stare holding me like some dark cheerleader as the livid lord takes her spring into the warm saliva of the underworld. His flesh digging into her flesh, her tears mesh and dried for all mankind. I am not unkind. Face it, it's spring. Just my drizzle makes her dizzy. Just my drizzle makes her dizzy. I am partner to his crimes. Hecate seems not to mind. Hecate seems not to mind while I'm out of mine. Rings of teeth shatter my rhyme, shatter my rhyme. Lucifer ain't got nothing on this born brother of the dragon. Who else but the goddess of hell could love a cur who guards so well? When Heracles, prince of peace, dragged me to the earth, his twelfth great work, I spit all the way up, howling like a wolf, and sun sprung up from the ground were sprigs of bane to make them sleep and shape the dream, like Psyche's cake that fills the belly, fills the blood, and makes one's head the greatest labor. I sing to her Demeter. She collects my flowers, corn mother, goddess of the night. For only she scratches behind my ears. Only she hears my low, happy growl. No one here dare moan. There are no years. There are no years. Only endless hunger. Feed me. Feed me. Endless thrust. Endless dust to collect on the shadows of souls. Clouds of smoke at the gate. Take a number. It's a short wait. Feed me. Feed me. Feed me. I practice no prejudice. I practice no prejudice. What a great poem. That was Cerberus by poet David Holm, an example of sound painting. Walter Thompson was leading the musicians there with uh, hand movements that more or less told them what to play, what style in which to play. Each hand gesture has a different connotation that allows them to interpret what he's telling them to do based on the poetry. The French horn player on that recording is a man named Jeffrey Agrell, and I first talked to him about seven or eight years ago by email, and he sent me a disc of his that was all improvisations for French horn and piano. And it's a wonderful disc, and I thought it was so interesting that a French hornist was improvising. In the CD, in the liner notes, he says, as classical players, we never have the chance to get off the page. We know well what various eminent composers were feeling long ago in Bavaria or Vienna, but we never have the chance to express anything that comes from our own hearts right here, right now. 
or so I thought. Jeffrey had been a guitar player, and he had improvised a lot on the guitar, but he had never improvised on the horn. Like a lot of classical players, he was not trained to do that, and if he wanted to make up music and express himself, he would go and pick up the guitar. And um, the story goes that uh, at University of Iowa, where he's a professor of horn, he met a pianist named Evan Mazunik, and um, Evan basically said, I don't understand why you don't improvise on the horn. <laughs> uh, this is your primary instrument. It doesn't make any sense. And so they started playing together, and uh, they, they grooved musically. And so they've made uh, at least two CDs now. Um, the CD that we're going to listen to is called Repercussions, and we're going to listen to a track by the same name. This piece is interesting in that the motivic material we're going to hear was pre-composed. In fact, you'll hear them play it in unison. Um, I think it's pretty easy to hear where they venture off into the improvisations in the middle. The piece is also in a rondo form, which means that they'll come back to this composed material in the middle, and they'll come back again at the end. Let's have a listen now to Repercussions, Jeffrey Agrell on French horn, Evan Mazunik on piano. Thank you. 
Improvised Rondo, Jeffrey Agarill on French horn, Evan Mazunik on piano. That's a great example of them improvising on their own musical material. But they also have a CD of new interpretations of early music, and I thought it'd be fun to listen to one of these tracks of them improvising on ancient music. There's a very old piece of music that a lot of composers have been inspired by. It's a traditional English round, possibly the oldest such example of counterpoint in existence. It comes from around the year 1260, and it's called Sumer is a Kumen In which uh, means exactly what it sounds like. Summer is a-coming in. Let's listen to their improvisation on this ancient melody. Thank <laughs> you. 
definitely get the medieval flavor there. We're listening to one of the oldest rounds known to man, Summer is a Kumen In, uh, being improvised on by a group of classical musicians. Let's head now in a completely different direction and listen to a couple of improvisations by Chicago-based composer and pianist Aaron Christer Johnson. These were originally done around October of the year 2005, and Aaron's idea was to create a set of pieces with a Halloween mood. And he also wanted to suggest the kinds of things that uh, movie composers do when they want to suggest evil or um, conjure up the the, the villain. And so uh, as you listen to these pieces, I think you should see that the dastardly villain in your mind's eye stroking his mustache as you hear the tritones and, and chromatic scales and the left hand bouncy patterns. Another thing that he does that's incredibly interesting to me is he plays these pieces on a piano that's been tuned with just intonation. And so it does not have the equal temperament tuning of normal pianos. And this gives it a whole other off-kilter, manic sense that I think you'll notice right away. Let's listen to the first two movements of Diabolical Suite.
When you hear that wonderful manic piece, it's kind of hard to believe that it's an improvisation, but it is. That was Aaron Christopher Johnson playing his own diabolical suite. We heard the first two movements. And you may have noticed that it sounded a little unusual. That's because he's playing on a piano in just intonation. The half steps are not all the same distance apart. And so it gives it that, that very off-kilter kind of feel that I think is perfect for the piece. The next performer I'd like to feature is probably very familiar to a lot of WFMT listeners. David Schrader is an organist, a harpsichordist. He plays the pianoforte, the forte piano, pretty much anything with keys he is a, a wizard at. Uh, when I was a student at the Chicago College of Performing Arts at Roosevelt University, David was famous for improvising on the faculty composition concerts. We composition students would oftentimes be invited to uh, write a uh, motive or a little musical theme for him to improvise on, which he would do brilliantly, and he would turn it into an eight to ten minute piece in front of all of us. Um, and we used to joke with each other that we would, that would be our thesis. We'd, we'd write a little motive, give it to David, he'd improvise on it, we'd record it, transcribe it, and turn it in, and almost certainly get an A, I'm sure. The piece I'd like to feature now is uh, somewhat unusual, I think. It's uh, David Schrader improvising on the piano at one of these faculty concerts at CCPA, but he's improvising with Professor Don Malone, who at the time was the professor of electronic music. And Don has prepared a pre-recorded electronic playback that um, David has not heard before and will be improvising to on the stage. And uh, Don Malone always performed as Lone Monad, which is a anagram of his name. So this is Lone Monad and David Schrader playing part of Prelude and Toccata, with David Schrader's part being completely improvised.
That trumpet that we heard at the end is part of the pre-recorded sounds that Don Malone had worked into his electronic playback. And uh, I'm, I'm fairly certain that's Rob Parton, who was the head of, as I still, I believe, the head of jazz studies at the Chicago College of Performing Arts. And I know that he and Don used to work together quite a bit. We've just listened to David Schrader improvising on the piano to electronic playback sounds made by Don Malone, performing for us there as the Lone Monad, an anagram of his name. Monad does have scientific connotations, but musically it means one note, as opposed to a dyad or a triad, which means two or, or three notes. So I, I love that name, the, the Lone Monad, <laughs> one lonely note. At any rate, a, a very unusual context, I think, in which to, uh, to hear David Schrader playing the piano. You're listening to Relevant Tones on WFMT, a show that explores the works of modern composers. I'm Seth Bostead, and today we're listening to classical performers who are interested in improvisation and creating a resurgence of interest in improvisation as an art form. Check out our Facebook page or send us an email at info at relevanttones.com. The next performer we're going to listen to is a friend of mine named Steve Parker. He's a trombonist, and I met him a few years ago when he lived in Chicago for a brief while. And I was always struck by his gift for improvisation and his incredible fearlessness. And I think he found a kindred spirit in composer Stephen Snowden, whose piece Ground Round we're going to have a listen to next. In Ground Round, Snowden, who is from Texas, uses the fast twangy patter of a cattle auctioneer as his musical germ or motive and asks Steve to improvise on the trombone to this patter. The first thing that we're going to hear are some cowbells, and you'll hear the, the cattle. And this really is cattle, kind of walking around, mooing and, and lowing like they do. And then we'll hear the auctioneer come in, and then we'll hear Steve. And then it goes into a very interesting section, which is a brass chorale, and that's all Steve overdubbing on the trombone. And then Snowden brings back the cowbells to finish up the piece. Let's have a listen to Ground Round by Stephen Snowden. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, it's not often that we hear cattle and cowbells on WFMT, but I'm pleased to bring you Ground Round by Stephen Snowden using a cattle auctioneer from Texas as a musical motive, as a basis for improvisation by trombonist Steve Parker, and a wonderful job he did, too. Let's go back now to the idea of improvising on a given theme. Pianist Noam Savan has a CD coming out in the fall of 2011 called Chopin and Improvisations. In Chopin's time, it was part of the performance practice to improvise introductions to popular melodies and pieces that everyone knew. The uh, pianist would be on stage, and uh, you'd see in the program that he was going to do, say, a Brahms intermezzo, and it was known, the audience would know, that he was going to improvise in the beginning. And I think there would have been this amazing electric moment as everybody realized that the improvisation had ended and he hit the piece. And of course, they would know, they would be able to gauge how effectively he did this and how effectively his improvised introduction led into the piece that they all knew. Let's have a listen now to Noam's wonderful introduction to Chopin's third sonata. And he will actually go into the very beginning of the sonata at the end of the track. So listen for that.
I hope it's clear to hear there where the improvisation ends and the piece begins. He does that descending arpeggio, and it goes right into those opening chords of Chopin's third sonata. Again, that was pianist Noam Sivan improvising an introduction to the third sonata by Chopin, and that was a popular performance practice in the day to improvise these introductions. But of course, as we know, improvisation fell out of favor in uh, the classical music tradition, and we are listening to performers who think that it should come back today. We're going to have a listen now to cellist David Darling, and this is a really amazing piece that he did called Chorale, and it is an improvised bass line that he played in the cello part, and then it's six other parts improvised over that part, all played by him and all overdubbed, so he would listen to each part as he played the next part. This is a really amazing feat here to uh, play these overdubs, especially since they're improvised. Let's have a listen. Chorale by cellist and composer and improviser David Darling.
What I like especially about that improvisation is that it sounds so composed to me. I think it's exactly how a composer would handle the ending of a, a gorgeous chorale like that. Uh, you're going to fade it down. You're going to have everybody get very, very soft. You're going to just kind of shimmer it away into the distance, sort of the way that Richard Strauss ended all of his late wonderful songs. Uh, it's a very beautiful ending, and uh, but it is all improvised, and that's David Darling on cello playing alongside David Darling on cello, playing alongside David Darling on cello, and three more times himself, all overdubbed to an initial improvised bass line. Chorale by David Darling. Well, I saved the largest ensemble piece for last, and I think this piece is especially interesting because we've heard classical musicians improvise. We've heard composers ask them to improvise in various settings. We've heard them improvise freely. We've heard them improvise introductions to known pieces in the, in the repertoire. But we know that rock musicians and jazz musicians improvise, and I just wonder, how do these improvising classical musicians hold up against them? Can they, can they cut it <laughs> in that world? Chicago-based group Gunnel Pumpers proves that they can. Gunnel Pumpers consists of classically trained musicians, including a Chicago Symphony Orchestra bassist, who improvise all of their material and cross over in that they play with a rock guitarist. Uh, I've heard them play with a theremin player. Uh, they have a, a world percussionist that, that sits in often. And they play in an in, uh, incredible eclectic variety of styles, always completely improvised freely with, with no themes planned out in advance. Unfortunately, we won't have enough time to listen to the complete track, but I'd like to play part of what they call Symphonie Improvisée, or Improvised Symphony. This is from a live performance, and it features Doug Brush on percussion, Chicago-based Randy Farr on percussion, Michael Hovnanian on bass, Doug Johnson on bass, and Dave Miller on the electric guitar. This is a completely improvised piece from a live performance by Chicago-based Gunnel Bumpers.
Well, I hate to have to fade that down. Uh, it's a wonderful improvisation there by Chicago-based Gunnel Pumpers, and I hope you can hear how they uh, how they react to each other. They'll, they'll get into a groove for a while and, and, and keep it going, and then somebody will stray from it, and uh, somebody will follow, and they'll get a new groove going for a while. And it's really a marvelous thing. If you have not heard much free improvisation before, please please check it out because it is it is an interesting thing. We've been listening to music incorporating improvisation and featuring classical performers who improvise. And we've also featured a lot of composers who are writing pieces that are vehicles for improvisation. We'd love to hear what you think of the show and hope you'll email us at info at relevanttones.com or check us out on our Facebook page. Relevant Tones has been co-produced by Jesse McCorders at WFMT in Chicago and by myself, Seth Bosted, Executive Director of Access Contemporary Music. Steve Robinson is the Executive Producer. I'm Seth Bosted, and thanks so much for listening.